Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. We've got a special episode today. I am in Mexico City for the Mexico USA Men's World Cup qualifier on Thursday night. We'll have our reaction to the game on Landon Wall and Witty afterward. But for this episode, we've got my recent interview with David Marlanda. He's a White Plains, New York barber who has earned so much trust with the U.S. men's national team players that they now fly him out for every qualifying window. I visited him in his barber shop last week, which I also wrote about at grantwall.com. By the way, you can sign up for a free or paid subscription at grantwall.com. It has all my writing, including magazine-style stories and on-site coverage of every World Cup qualifier. Free seven-day trials are now available. The best way to support my work and me is by taking out a paid subscription. Now, here's my interview with David Marlanda. Let's just start with the basics what's your name what do you do so my name is david marulanda i'm a professional barber been doing it uh for 19 years next summer is my 20th anniversary as a barber congrats thank you man i'm really looking forward for that party <laughs> i hope the guys here throw me a nice party i deserve it i think and where are we right uh, we are at authentic hair studio and as many of you may already know is pretty much the barbershop of the soccer players and many other athletes and what city are we in? Where are we located? So we are in White Plains, New York. It's a nice city in Westchester. Known and for nightlife and some fun and some nice restaurants and a great barbershop like this one. And where are you from originally? So I was born in the Bronx. I was born in the Bronx. Uh, grew up there. Stayed maybe up until I was four or five. Then we moved to Colombia. That's where my parents are from. And from Colombia, then we moved to Spain and lived in Spain all the way until maybe 14. And that's when I decided to come back to the States. Okay. On my own. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. How'd you do that at 14? Well, the thing is, like, growing up in Colombia is different than growing up in the States. Over there, you kind of have to mature a little faster because life is more complicated is more difficult mm -hmm. and so you mature faster and that made me think about dollars to be honest because my family back in Colombia was not doing so good mm -hmm. and I was pretty much the only son the only male boy and I already learned how to work since I was eight I used to work at a farm with my grandfather and collect coffee huh you know in the in the hills of Colombia and the Andes and so that pretty much set me up for success, honestly, because I learned hard work from an early age. So when I realized I was a U.S. citizen, I'm like, what am I doing here? Let me go make some dollars so I can help my family back home. Okay. And that's what I did. And when did becoming a barber become part of it? So I have two aunts. They in Colombia, right? And they went to cosmetology school and they used to cut hair in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Very cheap, maybe a dollar for a haircut or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they used to cut my hair. Remember that mushroom look in the 90s? <laughs> I used to hate it so much. <laughs> so, so they used to give me that ugly haircut. And at some point, I think I decided that I didn't want them to cut my hair anymore. <laughs> And I started doing my own hair. So I used to grab their clippers and mess around with my hair. That's really how the adventure started. 
Okay. Just like not liking the mushroom haircut and wanting to do something different. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And at what point did you start thinking about making it a professional thing for you? Well, let me give you a little bit of a story. So I come back to the to the U.S. at 14, and I start going to middle school, high school, you know. And I had some little cousins here. And, you know, you can smack them around a little bit and, like, sit down. I'm going to give you a haircut. <laughs> but that thing led to just bringing other kids from school to get free haircuts. You know, and, and being a popular kid in school helps you because yeah. then you can bring everybody. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I think my aunt got tired of me just putting hair all over the place because I used to live with an aunt. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, look, David, I love you, but you need to get out of here with those guys. You need to find a place where you can cut hair. I used to do it in the, in the hallway, in the projects. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no more. I'm finding hair under the rug, inside the pods. Like, hair goes everywhere, you know? <laughs> so that's pretty much, like, it's thanks to her, honestly, because she pushed me yeah. to go a step further. I was probably 16 at the time, I think. Okay. Maybe charging $5 already for a haircut. Okay. Yeah. And, like, as time went on, how did things progress professionally for you? Like, how were you able to, at what point did you start your own place? Well, it's interesting because honestly, I never thought this was going to be my profession. You okay. Know? Like my dad used to always push me saying, well, I need you to go to college. I need you to become a doctor, this, that. I need you. Pretty much, he was just worried that I should do well in life, you know, like every dad. Not knowing that continuing this path would let me to bigger things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, going back, um, I was well known for cutting, well known in the community uh, before social media and everything. So that gave me some fame amongst barber owners. Mm -hmm. And so for many years, you know, being young and, and immature and not really knowing much about business because I didn't go to college or anything like that. I just knew how to cut hair really well. Yeah. They used to just hire me and give me kind of like better deals to work there mm -hmm. so that I could help them um, develop their shops mm -hmm. or train their rookies and things like that. Mm -hmm. Even I remember at some point I went to this barbershop and I trained the owner. I trained his brother-in-law. I trained his sister and I trained his cousin. Huh. So it was four barbers I trained in that shop. Uh -huh. And then after some years, he even gave me the chance to bring some students under my wing. Okay. So then I brought a friend, Nelson, good friend uh, from high school, taught him how to cut hair. Then my brother-in-law, Peter, learned under my wing too at that shop. So it was like a give and take situation, exchange of energy. Okay. I taught them, but then they also allowed me to grow a lot and even develop my teaching skills. Mm-hmm. And it was really after that that I said, you know what? I can really do this owning barbershop thing because uh -huh. I already do it. Even train people, mm -hmm. even find barbers to work at the place where I work. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, well, it's time for me to do my own thing. Okay. I can do big things with that. And when did you open up this particular place? We have been here since 2013. Okay. April 2013. Downtown White Plains. Okay. And was Alan Houston sort of your first celebrity yes. athlete? Yes, he was Client. He was the first one. And just for the record, I don't know anything about basketball 
or let's say I didn't know anything about basketball until then. But there's a guy here, good friend Chris. He's a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. He's been a Knicks fan all his life. So, anyways, Houston came in and was just asking for some quarters <laughs> for the meter. And, you know, I just gave him some coins. And he wanted to give me the dollar. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just He's like, no, no. He, I'm like, no, bro, keep the dollar. It's fine. Just if you ever need a haircut, you know, we're here. Come get a cut. Yeah. And he did. <laughs> so he left. And then Chris was like, bro, bro, you know who that is? That's Alan Houston. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. It's like, bro, he used to play for the Knicks in the 90s. One of the best players the Knicks ever had. Long story short, he became a regular. Mm -hmm. Started coming. Of course, I did my little research on the guy and like, oh, wow, he really was big and stuff. And, you know, just from there, just things kind of started developing. Then uh, I remember there was a player in NYC, I think, Tony Taylor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then um, Allen, RJ Allen Uh used to come a lot, too. And from there on, just like the guys just started coming here. I honestly don't know who brought who (laughs) from the NYC, but just like at some point, all of them were just here. And uh, became really good, good friend with uh, Matarita. Okay. Because for those that don't know, even the accent of Costa Ricans and Colombians is like hard to tell if you're from Costa Rica or Colombia. Okay. And him being a young boy here and new team, no English, no friends. And then us being who we are, you know, we have charismatic uh, characters here. We just clicked and became really good friends. Okay. And then he was really the one that opened the door for bigger things. Because mm-hmm. then uh, at some point, Bija needed a haircut okay. at the facility. Okay. Because there's, a, there's another guy in town that used to cut him. And so I guess the guy was on vacation or something. And that was my entry. <laughs> like, that's all it took. So I went there, cut him up. You know, at some point, I even trimmed Pirlo's tips a little bit. Uh-huh. Nice. a little body to Bieta. <laughs> and then, you know, afterwards, I come back to the shop and I'm like, man, did I just really cut those guys? That Because I'm a soccer fan. Yeah. For those that don't know it, since little, because I grew up in Colombia and Spain. There's nothing else there to watch except for soccer. I'm like, those guys even won the World Cup with their teams. Yeah. Like, shit. And I remember watching Pirlo play with Juventus, watching Vija play with Barcelona, and I love Barca. So nice for me, that was big. That's awesome. I, and so that was your entree into the soccer space professionally. Yes. Were there are there other New York City guys currently that you're still working with? Pretty much all of them, bro. Really? To be honest, um, and even aside from that, like we're really good friends. Uh, one of the stories that is always interesting for me to even think about is how I met Castellanos mm-hmm. because it was a Sunday here at the shop and none of the guys wanted to work that day. And I, for some reason, stayed. And I remember watching this young fella just passing by and then he looked in and he's like, oh, barbershop. So he came in. At this time, he didn't even have a beard. And so, you know, I gave him a haircut and then we started talking He's like, oh, yeah, I just, I just came to play for this new team. I'm coming from uh, Torque, 
I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. What team is that? And then fast forward, no one sent him. It was just a coincidence. He came in. And even the day before, all of his t teammates had uh, came for a haircut. Wow. And ever since, he doesn't go anywhere else. Hopefully, he'll continue working with him a little longer. He's going to get sold before long oh, here, I think. No, let me tell you. This is the part of the story that I love. So the first time I cut him, right? Yeah. Next game he plays, he scores. <laughs> right? And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So then he started this joke like, oh, I need to coat to this guy because he gives me good luck. I'm like, I don't give you good luck, bro. I just give you good haircuts. But, you know, he started this whole joke. But in interestingly enough, first time I cut uh, Ismael Tajiri, goal. It's like a list of about seven players from that team that every time I cut them for the first time, they score. <laughs> I swear. Even to the point where uh, there's a newspaper in Uruguay. The first time I met Santi Rodriguez mm -hmm. and I color his hair white, he scored. Okay. And we were even joking about it because already like this old news, like they all, they all know. If you need to score, you go to this guy for your first haircut, and then that's like the good luck entry to the team. <laughs> so we posted about it. He posted about it. And then the news in Uruguay saw it, and they're like, wow, who is this barber? And apparently I was in the news in Uruguay because of that. And the guy's been doing great. Yep. You know? And so how did the connection to the U.S. men's national team develop? So i became really good friends with matarita like i said and i've been working with the costa rica national team for quite some time every mm -hmm. time they're out especially when they're in the u.s yeah um not this uh gold cup but the one before okay i worked with them and then obviously on this world cup, uh gold cup i started traveling with them as well cutting them and at some point um I think I texted uh, Sean Johnson to mm. congratulate him because they had passed to the final. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, it's amazing what you guys are doing. And, you know, because we're good friends. Yeah. Sean is a really good guy. So, you know, conversating and saying, yeah, congratulations. He's like, oh, thank you, homie. I appreciate it. Man, I wish you were here. This is what he said. Like, I wish you were here because we all look a mess. And we need to play this final. And we don't know a barber in Vegas. And I'm like, well, you just say the word, man. And I'm, and I'm there. And that's how it happens. So he's like, he's like, bro, are you serious? You would really come? I say, yeah, make it happen. I'll go. So I think he you know, spoke with whoever he needs to speak in there. And they, they okayed it, you know. Uh, it became official really quick. Okay. To the point where I was going to be the only one going. Mm -hmm. And then the list went to like 23 players. Wow. And I said, bro, there's no way I can cut you guys in one day by myself. Impossible. I need to bring someone else. So I had to get someone else. Uh, Sebastian, he's really like my right-hand man everywhere mm -hmm. I go. He's really talented. And so, yeah, we got COVID tests, this, that, you know, all the protocols. And we made it. And to our luck, then once again, we groomed the whole team, including um, Robinson. Okay. And then he scored and, and won the Gold Cup. <laughs> and, and something, like I have the video on my phone. I will never forget that moment. We were watching the game. 
this place is packed. It feels like Mexico is a local team. Yep. I'm telling you. Like, I felt like I was in Mexico. And right at the last minute, there's a free kick. And something inside told me, like, uh, bro, this is, the, this is the goal. I took my phone out, press record, and boom, goal. We won the Gold Cup. Finish. And I have that video right here. It nice. was the best day. Like, it was one of those experiences that I don't think I'll live twice. To even say that uh, I was able to groom the U.S. national team the year they won the Gold Cup against Mexico, mm -hmm. which is the biggest rival they ever had. You know, that's something I can tell my grandchildren. Like, I was the guy that made all of those dudes look amazing to live their cup. Not only that, like, th they were so grateful, and we became so cool with the guys that, you know, when we were about to leave the stadium, and but we went down to say bye and stuff, and when they came close to the, what you call it, like, you know, you, you and the bleachers, they're down there. Yeah, edge of the field. Anyhow, you know, hey, goodbye, and then all of them start seeing us, like, bring me those guys in. And I think it was Paul. He's like, I have the video too. <laughs> and so we went in. Something that I never thought I would do. Yep. So anyway, man, long story short, we groomed them and then even ended up with the gold cup on our hands. <laughs> yeah, you have the trophy, right? Yes. Yeah. I got the pictures with it. Like lifting it like if I played the game. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Something that sometimes I don't even believe. So, like, why do you think these players, including the U.S. players, have gotten so attached to you? Is it like a trust thing that you've, like, you've been able to develop this trust and now they only want you? Honestly, I don't know what is it, but I can speak from my perspective. Like, uh, I have my barber, you know. I have a guy that I like how he cuts my hair. You know, and it's like therapy. I can even tell him some issues I'm going through in my life. And he gives me good advice and he doesn't spread it, you know, around the world. Like he yeah. keeps it private. He's pretty solid dude and he cuts very well. And in my case, I think I'm like that too. So my, my motto is if you put out good vibes in the world, you're most likely going to get that back. And honestly, like good vibes are contagious, just like bad ones, you know. So if you go to a barber and this guy is always, even if he's going through hell, he puts a good face on, gives you good vibes, good advice, encouragement and, and, and whatnot. And then on top of that, he gives you a great haircut. You, you may be going to like the guy. And so I think I'm that guy. <laughs> And how did it jump then to, for all 14 of these World Cup qualifiers, I was told the players are like paying for you to come out. Yeah, yeah, they and, really liked it. And so how did that idea come of like, we want this guy for every World Cup qualifier? Well, uh, I have an idea. I think uh, before we started going, they were bringing like local guys from every city. That's what I understand. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't know. But at some point, after, you know, after winning the Gold Cup and after 
grooming them again against uh, Mexico and Cincinnati and then winning that game too. Even I remember Pulisic was coming like back from an injury mm-hmm. and he didn't even know if he was going to play that day. I gave him this amazing haircut, right? And and I remember something was said. I forgot what was said from a Mexican player. And then he scores that goal and then like this guy's cold-blooded now that I think about it. <laughs> How can you think about that? He's amazing. And then he's like, I'm the man in the mirror. And those pictures went around the world. And it was a great haircut. Yeah. Aside from the great things that he did in that game. Sure. And I think it was maybe after that that the guys really said, you know what? We really like this guy. He does an amazing job. They told me in person, you know. And after that, I think they decided to just call us, you know. Because I would do the same, you know. If I need a good haircut and I have my guy and he's available, honestly, I'm not going to go try someone that I don't know. And he could be great, too, you know. But I just have my trust on this guy because he always delivers what I need. And I think it's maybe that. Is there something, too, about if you're a soccer player in Europe, especially if you're a person of color, about how difficult it is to find a good barber, a good haircut in Europe. You have no idea about the complaints the guys give when they come to the camps. Like, bro, I couldn't wait to come and get a good haircut, you know? And I don't think it's because the barbers in Europe are bad. It's just that it's not so common for curly hair out there. I think it's just that, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't have the practice. Me, I grew up in the Bronx, you know? Spanish and black people, that's my people. Yeah, I lived amongst us, and that's how we have our hair. So I have enough practice. Yeah. And, I mean, like, even guys like, I remember Tyler Adams came in and then had a press conference early on in a camp. Maybe it was the last camp. And he hadn't gotten his hair cut yet. Oh, and he wow. even talked in the press conference about how he hadn't even gotten his hair cut yet. Is it a situation where, like, he's almost not getting his haircut over in Europe? He's waiting to come back to join the national yeah, team? Yeah, I think, I think if they have the opportunity to get a good haircut, I think they wouldn't want to go get a kind of like a messed up one before <laughs> they come to camp because they know they're going to see me. Yeah. And, man, Adam is amazing, too. He came to visit me at the shop, actually, and uh, he brought me that jersey. Nice. So we got Adam's Leipzig jersey, McKenny Juve. Uh, I, need to, put up, I need to put up Chelsea uh, Pulisic's jersey up there too. I have a few in the basement. I just need to prepare the walls. I don't have enough wall for all the jerseys I have. <laughs> I have Pirlo's. I have Vijas. I have many. Awesome. And then, so you're taking this trip. The U.S. has these big games coming up. Mexico, Panama, Costa Rica to decide if they're going to go to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. What's your itinerary in the next week here man i just gotta do a lot of flying <laughs> a lot of flying a lot of cutting that's what i do so you'll join the team i they have a training camp in, in houston yep which they've announced then mexico city then orlando then san jose like and you're gonna be at least some of these places right yeah at least most of them maybe all of them okay and it's an interesting one because like, I, I feel like 
There's a difference with this U.S. men's national team compared to maybe four or five years ago when things weren't going as well. Players didn't seem to enjoy coming into camp very much in those days. And a lot of that has to do, obviously, with what happens on the field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also think, this is my theory, is that there's a lot of little factors that go into looking forward to coming into national team camp. And some of that is how you get along with your teammates. Some of that's how things are going on the field. But if you can add, I'm looking forward to, to seeing my guy and getting a haircut that I know is going to make me look good in front of cameras, transmitting me around the world, that, that there's value in that. Of course. Because let's even take it out of soccer. Let's talk about you and I. When I don't have a good haircut, my mood is different than when I have a great haircut. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a good haircut. I'm most likely going to be happier, most likely going to be in a better mood, most likely going to have more confidence. You know, it's just all of that. And I think it, if we take it back to soccer, I think that helps them, too, a little bit. It's just a little additional thing that is good for the team, I think. If the U.S. makes it to the World Cup, and chances are good that will happen, would you go to the World Cup? Man, what kind of question is that? I'm a <laughs> soccer fan, and I love my country. So, hey, that would be a, a dream come true, to be honest, if... I can go to the World Cup with my team. And not only that, but I get to groom them before every game. Man, what else can I ask for? <laughs> Honestly, that would be amazing. If someone is listening from the, what do you call it? What type of organization is the USMNT? Is it a like? The US uh, Soccer Federation. Exactly. If someone from the Federation is listening, um, <laughs> hey, bring me. Bring me and my team. We'll do a great job. And you travel not just to potentially the World Cup. You travel a lot of places, including Africa. Yes. What, do you, what have you been doing over there over the years? Well, the thing is that, just to summarize the story because it's really long, my great-grandmother came from Spain in 1903 to Colombia uh, to teach the indigenous people Spanish and religion. Okay. And for her surprise, she was the one that learned a lot from them about natural, natural remedies and stuff like that. So I remember being a young boy and seeing a lot of remedies being made, you know, for like wounds, stomach issues and things like that. And I remember it used to work amazing for people. So fast forward, she died in 2006 and she was old, over 100 years old. Never used the cane, never used glasses, never used, uh, uh, what's that thing you used to chew? Forget the name in English. You know, the fake teeth. Yeah, dentures. Never use any of that stuff. You know, I mean, if you look at old people nowadays, 70 years old, they're already even riding one of those electric chairs because they can walk that well. Right. So all of that made me curious about natural health. And I came across this group of uh, indigenous healers from West Africa that they were doing amazing things out here, helping people really improve their health. You know, diabetes, uh, high blood pressure and things like that. And I said, well, let me take a trip and see what is going on out there. And so I started going in 2015. I have learned a lot myself. 
with this organization. It's just like a small organization of healers that want the best for their people. Because if you know a little bit about history and even about modern medicine, a lot of the modern medicine is just coming from ancient medicine, but now being replicated in a lab and mass produced. Right. Meaning a lot of this knowledge is being taken from these people and they don't even get the validation or, or the credit they deserve. And so that kind of awakened something in me to become part of it and at least help the communities around there because they need a lot, you know. And it's one thing to see it on TV. It's one thing to see it on social media. But when you're there and you really see like a, a six-year-old kid walking with no shoes, 110 degrees, walking three kilometers to go bring water in a bucket on his head so that mom can cook lunch. I mean, you know, if you can have some cash around you and, and help him, let's say, build a well, why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. What countries have you been to? I've been to Ivory Coast. I've been to Burkina Faso and Togo. Togo, okay. Togo is where the healing center is, the village that I go to. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing, honestly. If you ever get the chance, if you are into holistic health and want to take a look, you should go. Nice. Um, and you were involved in building some houses too, right? Yeah, so we helped the community. The first thing we did when we first went is, like I said, we saw the kids traveling for water. So the first thing we helped do was build a well, you know, because when you have water, you have other things. Now they can be self-sufficient. Because there's one thing to like, let's say you go there and you say, oh, they need some water. So let's just bring a ton of cases of water. That water is going to run out. Right. You know? the food you bring is going to run out. The money you give them is going to run out. But if you build a well, then they have water forever, pretty much. Not only they have water forever, but now they can use it to farm as well, and they grow their own food. Now they're not going to get um, this problem where there's no food, because now they can have food all the time. So we built a well. Then after building the well, we built a tower, brought some solar panels, and then now... You don't have to manually pump the water. It goes straight to the tank. And now the rest of the village have some type of running water. You know, and then I remember the first time I went, we used to sleep on the floor on cow skin. That was my bed, a mm. cow skin. Wow. Now with this huts we built for the community, now I can go in, have a little hut. And with the solar panels, we have some electricity. I can plug a fan because it's really hot. And, you know. We really have improved the place. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story with that and, and yeah, everything yeah, it's else. cool. And then I always, um, I always mix it with soccer. Yeah. Because in traveling to that village, we saw a school that was in really bad condition. Mm -hmm. And it's not so far. Not so far, but it's far. Yeah. And we saw the kids were playing, again, foot naked. Sometimes just kicking mangoes because there's no balls, kicking oranges because there's no balls and things like that. Some of them don't have books, even a pen, something as simple as that. They don't have bathrooms there. So then we started helping that school mm -hmm. and we started helping the kids on that community to go to school. Okay. Because you know? wow. everybody deserves to go, at least to elementary school, right. you know, learn the basics, read, write, add, subtract, you know. 
So recently we did that as well. We brought some soccer gear, some soccer balls. And, uh, you know, we, we'll continue to do it. Like, um, you know, even a percentage of what I make here, I always designate it to that. Okay. It's good to give. When you give, you get more. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, uh, the word authentic underscore barbers. You can find me there. Uh, Facebook, Authentic Hair Studio. Uh, YouTube, if you want to learn how to cut hair, I got some free classes there. Nice. Uh, same thing, Authentic Barbers. There's some good tutorials as well. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Thank you for coming, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank David Marlanda as well as producer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time.